Chapter thirty three of the Pharaoh and the Priest. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Pharaoh and the Priest by Boleslav Proust. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter thirty three. A couple of days later, Rameses sent his favorite with a summons to Kama. She appeared soon in a tightly closed litter. Rameses received her in a separate chamber. I was, said he, outside thy house one evening. Oh, Astaroth, cried the priestess, to what must I attribute this high favor? And what hindered thee, worthy lord, from deigning to summon thy slave? Some beasts were there, Assyrians, I suppose. Then thou didst take the trouble, worthiness, in the evening? Never could I have dared to suppose that our ruler was under the open sky, a few steps from me. The prince blushed. How she would be astounded, could she know that he had passed ten evenings near her windows? But perhaps she knew it, judging by her half-smiling lips, and her eyes cast down deceitfully. So then, Kama, said the prince, thou receivest Assyrians at thy villa. That man is a great magnate, Sargon, a relative of King Assar, answered Kama. He has brought five talents to our goddess. And thou wilt repay him, Kama, jeered the heir, and since he is such a bountiful magnate, the Phoenician gods will not send thee death in punishment. What dost thou say, lord? exclaimed Kama, clasping her hands. Dost thou not know that if an Asiatic found me in the desert, he would not lay hands on me, even were I myself to yield to him? They fear the gods. Why, then, does he come to thee, this malodorous, no, this pious Asiatic? Because he wants to persuade me to go to the temple of Astaroth in Babylon. And wilt thou go? I will go if thou command me, lord, said Kama, concealing her face with her veil. The prince took her hands in silence. His lips quivered. Do not touch me, lord, whispered she with emotion. Thou art my sovereign, my support, the support of all Phoenicians in this country. But have compassion. The viceroy let her go and walked up and down through the chamber. The day is hot, is it not? asked he there are countries where in the month of may here white down falls from the sky it is said this down in the fire turns to water and makes the air cold o kama beg thy gods to send me a little of that down though what do i say if they should cover egypt with it all that down might be turned into water and not cool the heart in me for thou art like the divine Amun. Thou art the sun concealed in human form, replied Kama. Darkness flees from that place whither thou turnest thy countenance, and under the gleam of thy glances flowers blossom. The prince turned again to her. But be compassionate, whispered she. Moreover, thou art a kind god, hence thou canst not be unjust to thy priestess. The prince turned away again, and shook, as if wishing to cast down a burden. Kama looked from beneath her drooping lids at him and smiled slightly When silence had endured too long she said thou hast commanded to summon me sovereign 
here i am to hear what thy will is aha said the prince recovering but tell me o priestess aha who was that who resembled me so closely the man whom i saw that night in the temple Kama placed a finger on her lips a sacred mystery whispered she one thing is a mystery another is not permitted replied rameses let me know at least whether it was a man or a spirit a spirit but still that spirit sang under thy window Kama laughed i do not wish to violate the secrets of the temple thou hast promised that to prince hiram put in the priestess well well interrupted the irritated viceroy for this cause i shall not speak with hiram or any other man about this miracle only with thee now Kama, tell this spirit or man who is so like me to leave egypt at the earliest and not to show himself to any one for seest thou in no state can there be two heirs to the throne all at once he tapped his forehead up to that instant he had spoken so as to trouble Kama, but now an idea altogether serious came to him i am curious said he looking sharply at Kama, to know why thy compatriots showed me my own living picture do they wish to forewarn me that they have a man to supplant me indeed their act is astounding Kama fell at his feet o lord whispered she thou who bearest on thy breast our highest talisman canst thou suppose that the phoenicians would do aught to injure thee but only think if danger threatened thee or if thou hadst the wish to mystify enemies would not such a man be of service the phoenician only wished to show thee this in the temple the prince meditated a moment and shrugged his shoulders so thought he if i needed any one's assistance but do the phoenicians think that i need assistance if i do they have chosen a poor protector lord whispered Kama, it is not known to thee that rameses the great had in addition to his own person two others to show enemies those two shadows of the pharaoh perished but he survived well enough of this interrupted the prince but that the people of asia may know that i am gracious i designate Kama five talents for games in honor of astaroth and a costly goblet for her temple this gift will be received to-day by thee he dismissed the priestess with a motion of his head after her departure a new wave of thought mastered him indeed the phoenicians are clever if this my living picture is a man they can make of him a great present to me and i shall perform at times miracles such perhaps as have never been heard of in egypt the pharaoh dwells in memphis and at the same time he shows himself in thebes or in tanis the pharaoh is marching on babylon with an army the assyrians assemble their main forces there and simultaneously the pharaoh with another army captures nineveh i judge that the assyrians would be greatly astounded by an event of that sort and again deep hatred was roused in him against the strong asiatics again he saw his conquering chariots sweeping over a battlefield covered with assyrian corpses and whole baskets of severed heads stood before him for his soul war had become now as great a need as bread is for the body and not only could he enrich egypt by it 
fill the treasury and win glory to last through ages but besides he might satisfy the instinct hitherto unknown but roused mightily at that moment to destroy assyria until he had seen those warriors with shaggy beards he had not thought of them that day they had met him and made the world seem so small that one side must give way they or he what role had hiram and karma played in creating his present frame of mind of this he had made no estimate he felt only that he must have war with assyria just as a bird of passage feels that in the month pachons it must go northward a passion for war seized the prince quickly he spoke less laughed more rarely sat in thoughtfulness at feasts and also spent his time oftener and oftener with the army and the aristocracy seeing the favor which the heir showered on those who bore arms the noble youth and even older men began to join regiments this attracted the attention of the holy mentezufis who sent a letter to herhor with the following contents from the time that the assyrians have arrived in bypast the air is feverish and his court is inclined toward war very greatly they drink and play dice as before but all have thrown aside robes and wigs and disregarding the awful heat go about in military caps and mantles i fear lest this armed readiness may offend the worthy sargon to this herhor replied immediately it is no harm that our effeminate nobles have taken a love for military appearance during the visit of sargon for the assyrians will have a better opinion touching egypt our most worthy viceroy enlightened by the gods as is evident has divined that just now it is necessary to rattle our swords when we have with us the ambassadors of such a military people i am certain that this valiant bearing of our youth will give sargon something to think of and will make him more yielding in arguments for the first time since egypt had become egypt it happened that a youthful prince had deceived the watchful priesthood it is true that the phoenicians were behind him and had stolen the secret of the treaty with assyria of this the priests had not even a suspicion in fact the very best mask which the heir had against suspicion was his impetuosity of character all remembered how easily in the past year he had rushed from manoeuvres at Pybalos to sarah's quiet country villa and how from feasts he had grown impassioned recently for administrative labor and then devotion to return to feasts afterward so no one believed with the exception of tutmosis that that changeful youth had before him an object for which he would fight with invincible decision even this time there was no need to wait long for new proofs of the prince's mobility of temper to bypassed in spite of the heat came sarah with all her court and her infant she was somewhat thin her child a trifle ill or wearied but both looked very charming the prince was enchanted he assigned a house to sarah in the choicest part of the palace garden and sat whole days almost at his son's cradle feasts manoeuvres and gloomy meditations were forgotten the lords of his suite had to drink and amuse themselves without him very soon they ungirded their swords and arrayed themselves in their most exquisite garments 
the change was the more indispensable as rameses brought some of them to sarah's dwelling and showed his son to them see tutmosis said he once to his favorite what a pretty child a real rose leaf well and out of this little thing a man will grow gradually and this rosy chick will walk about some day talk even learn wisdom in the schools of the priesthood look at his little hands tutmosis said rameses delighted remember these little hands so as to tell of them some day when i give him a regiment and command him to have my mace borne behind him and this is my son my own son it is not to be wondered at that when their lord spoke thus his attendants were sorry that they could not become dry or wet nurses to the child which though it had no dynastic rights was still the first son of the future pharaoh but this idyll ended very soon since it did not harmonize with the interests of the phoenicians a certain day the worthy hiram arrived at the palace with a great suite of merchants slaves and also poor egyptians to whom he gave alms and when he stood before the heir he said our gracious lord to prove that thy heart is full of kindness towards us asiatics also thou hast given five talents to arrange games in honour of the goddess astaroth thy will is accomplished we have arranged the games now we have come to implore thee to deign to honour the games with thy presence while saying this the grey-haired tyrian prince knelt before rameses and gave him a golden key to his box in the amphitheatre rameses accepted the invitation willingly the holy priests mefres and mentezufis had no objection to the presence of the prince in honouring the goddess astaroth first of all astaroth said the worthy mefres to mentezufis is the same as our isis and the chaldean istar second if we permit asiatics to build temples in our land it is proper to be kindly to their gods at seasons we are obliged even to show some politeness to phoenicians after the conclusion of such a treaty with assyria put in the worthy mentezufis smiling the amphitheatre to which the viceroy the nomarch and the foremost officers betook themselves about four in the afternoon was built in the garden of the temple it was a circular space surrounded by a palisade twice the height of a man inside the palisade and round about was a multitude of boxes and seats rising one above the other the structure had no roof but above the boxes extended cloth of various colors cut like wings of butterflies which sprinkled with fragrant water were moved to cool the atmosphere when the viceroy appeared in his box the asiatics and egyptians present in the amphitheatre gave forth a mighty shout the spectacle began with a procession of singers dancers and musicians the prince looked around at his right was the box of hiram and the most noted of the phoenicians on his left the box of the phoenician priests and priestesses in this Kama occupied one among the first places and attracted notice by her splendid dress and by her beauty she wore a transparent robe adorned with embroidery of various colors gold bracelets and anklets and on her head a circlet with a lotus flower composed most skillfully of jewels Kama came with her colleagues saluted the prince with low obeisances, and returned to the box on the left where began an animated conversation with a foreigner 
whose hair was somewhat grey and whose presence was imposing the hair and beard of this man and his companions were plaited into small braids the prince had come almost directly from the chamber of his son and was gladsome but he frowned when he saw the priestess speaking with a stranger dost thou not know tutmosis who that big fellow is for whom the priestess is so charming asked he he is the famous pilgrim who has come from babylon the worthy sargon but he is an old grandfather his years are surely more than thine and mine together but he is a stately person could such a barbarian be stately said the indignant viceroy i am certain that he bears about the smell of tallow both were silent the prince from anger tutmosis from fear because he dared not praise a man whom rameses hated meanwhile spectacle followed spectacle on the arena in turn appeared acrobats serpent charmers dancers buffoons and jesters who called forth shouts from the audience but rameses was gloomy in his soul sprang up moment after moment passions which had been dormant hatred for assyrians and jealousy of karma how can that woman thought he fondle up to an old man who has a complexion like tanned leather wild black eyes and the beard of a he-goat but once the prince turned a more attentive look on the arena a number of naked chaldeans entered the oldest fixed in the earth three short spears points upward then with motions of his hands he put the youngest man to sleep after that others took the sleeping man and placed him on the spears in such fashion that one of the spears supported his head another his loins and the third his feet the man was as stiff as wood then the old man made motions above him with his hands and drew out the spear supporting his feet after a while he removed the spear on which his loins were resting and finally that on which his head was fixed this took place in the clear day before some thousands of spectators the sleeping chaldean rested in the air horizontally without support a couple of ells above the earth at last the old man pushed him down and roused him the audience was astounded no one dared to applaud or to shout but flowers were thrown from some of the boxes Rameses too was astonished he bent towards Hiram's box and asked the old prince in a low voice Could they perform that secret in the temple of Astaroth? I am not conversant with all the secrets of our priests answered Hiram confused I know though that Chaldeans are very clever But we all saw that young man rested in the air If they did not put a spell on us said Hiram reluctantly and he grew serious after a short interval during which servitors took the boxes of dignitaries fresh flowers cool wine and cakes the most important part of the spectacle began the bullfight to the sound of trumpets drums and flutes they led a strong bull into the arena with a cloth over his head so that he should not see then a number of naked men ran around with darts and one with a short sword at a signal given by the prince the leaders ran away and one of the armed men struck the cloth from the head of the bull the beast stood some moments in amaze then he chased after the dark men who vexed him by pricking 
This barren struggle continued some tens of minutes. Men tormented the bull, and he, foaming, stained with blood, reared and chased over the whole arena after his enemies without reaching any. At last he fell, amid the laughter of the spectators. The wearied prince, instead of looking at the arena, looked at the box of the Phoenician priests. He saw that Kama had moved nearer to Sargon and was conversing vivaciously. The Assyrian devoured her with his glances. She smiled and blushed, whispered to him, sometimes bending so that her hair touched the locks of the barbarian. Sometimes she turned from him and feigned anger. Ramesses felt pain in his heart. For the first time it had happened that a woman had preferred another man to him. Besides, a man who was almost old, and, moreover, an Assyrian. Meanwhile, a murmur rose in the audience. On the arena, a man armed with a sword gave command to tie his left hand to his breast. Others looked at their darts. A second bull was let in. When an armed man tore the cloth from his eyes, the bull turned and looked around, as if to count his opponents. But when they began to prick him, he withdrew to the paling to secure the rear. Then he lowered his head and followed the movements of those attacking. At first the armed men stole up guardedly from both sides to prick him, but when the beast remained motionless, they gained courage, and began to run across the front, nearer and nearer. The bull inclined his head still more, but stood as if fixed to the earth. The audience laughed, but their joyousness was turned to a cry of fear suddenly. The bull chose the moment, rushed forward, struck some man who held a dart, and with one motion of his horns hurled him upward. The man struck the earth with broken bones. The bull galloped to the other side of the arena and stood in a defensive position. The men with darts surrounded the bull again and began to irritate the animal. But now servants of the amphitheatre rushed to the arena to carry off the wounded man, who was groaning. The bull, in spite of the redoubled pricks of darts, stood motionless. But when three servants had taken the wounded man in their arms, he rushed at that group with the swiftness of a whirlwind, overturned it, and began to dig the ground with his forefeet tremendously. There was a confusion in the audience. Women screamed, men imprecated, and hurled at the bull whatever each one found nearest. Sticks, knives, even bench-tops fell on the arena. Then a man with a sword rushed at the raging bull. But the dart men lost their heads and left him unsupported. Hence the bull tossed him and pursued the others. A thing unparalleled in amphitheatres took place then. Five men were lying on the arena. Others, defending themselves badly, were fleeing before the beast, while the audience was roaring from fear or from anger. Next, there was perfect silence. The spectators rose and bent forward out of their places. The terrified Hiram grew pale and crossed his hands. Down to the arena, from the boxes of dignitaries, sprang two men, Prince Ramesses, with the drawn sword, and Sargon, with the short-handled axe. The bull, with head down and tail in the air, was racing around the arena, leaving clouds of dust behind him. The beast rushed straight toward the prince, but, as if repulsed by the majesty of the youth, avoided him, 
made directly at Sargon, and dropped to the earth. The Assyrian, adroit and immensely strong, stretched him with one blow of his axe, given between the eyes. The audience howled with delight, and threw flowers at Sargon and his victim. Ramesses stood still with drawn sword, astonished and angry, seeing how Karma snatched flowers from her neighbors and threw them to the Assyrian. Sargon received expressions of public delight with indifference. He pushed the bull with his foot to be sure that the beast was lifeless, and then, going a couple of steps towards the prince, said something in his own speech and bowed with the dignity of a magnate. A bloody mist passed before the prince's eyes. He would have burned his sword in the victor's breast gladly. But he conquered himself, thought a moment, and taking a gold chain from his neck, gave it to Sargon. The Assyrian bowed again, kissed the chain, and put it around his neck. But the prince, with a bluish flush on his cheeks, returned to the door by which actors entered the arena, and amid plaudits of the audience left the amphitheatre with a feeling of deep humiliation. End of chapter 33